Netcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. Bandwidth for Security Now is provided by AOL Radio at AOL.com slash podcasting. This is Security Now with Steve Gibson, episode 87 for April 12, 2007, SQL Injection. Security Now is brought to you by Astaro, makers of the Astaro Security Gateway, on the web at www.astaro.com. And by Nerds on Site, looking to grow your IT service business? Find out how Nerds on Site can help. Visit IWantToBeANerd.com. Time to get secure. And you and you can never be too secure. He's the master of security, Steve Gibson, in his <laughs> secure lair. Somewhere. You know, Leo, it's being of getting secure. We get so much great feedback from people who, even if they thought they were really security knowledgeable before, I mean, people who've been in IT all their lives, but they invariably say that, even when we're discussing a subject that they feel pretty well versed in, you know, they'll still get a tidbit here yeah. and there, something that they haven't encountered before. So, well, I don't uh, think it's possible. Even if you're, and I think if you're a pro, you know this. Uh, even if you, uh, you know, do this all the time, to keep, this stuff changes. It's hard to keep up. Well, yes, and in fact, I had a uh, a bunch of people wrote to me about um, the uh, a recent event which happened in the AACS area. Remember, we've talked so yes. much about the, the uh-huh. You've probably heard that WinDVD is having its keys revoked yep. from it. The first example uh, of win, of key revocation. Exactly. And, and and this we talked about as something that would, you know, certainly be possible to have done. Now, it's, it's also the case that having a software program's keys revoked is far less onerous, for example, than having your Toshiba HD DVD players right. keys revoked, right? That, that would be a big annoyance, needless to say. But but still, this demonstrates that Hollywood, although it's taken them many months, you know, this of course all comes from the Muselix sixty four guy who started this, and it turns out that they've been continuing to do work on this in the Doom Nine forum, and there's now a utility developed by somebody else that basically dumps all the encryption keys from any uh, disc that you insert in a wow. PC with WinDVD. So they've like they as 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 we expected, they've automated and polished this approach yep. and made it so easy. And so finally, Hollywood is saying, "Okay, no more. We're we're revoking WinDVD's keys now." Now, does uh, that mean that the, this technique doesn't work anymore? No, it's going to be a cat and mouse game. What what's happened is the inter the intervideo people who publish WinDVD. They've done some things to a next version of WinDVD, which existing WinDVD owners can upgrade to, to hopefully, or they're hoping anyway, thwart this kind of exploit. Maybe they're, you know, they're they're protecting it more. They're not leaving the keys out and open as usual. They're obscuring them in some fashion. But again, this is because the player has to have the ability to decrypt the content. And it's a fundamentally open platform. Under XP, this is going to be very hard for anyone to prevent. Now, as we've talked about, Vista has this notion of protected processes. And Microsoft has put a lot of energy into tightening Vista down in ways that would make this much more difficult. You just can't 
run a debugger on a Vista process, which is running in this protected process environment, and dump its memory. So Microsoft is you know, building walls around processes for this reason to keep this kind of easy exploitation from being in, I mean, really so easy to do. So uh, this is, they're calling this a mandatory update. What happens if you don't update? Windows well, DVD? if you essentially, WinDVD has a set of encryption keys which were given to it by the AACS authority. Those are going to be invalidated by new DVD content. So as you, for example, downstream the newer published HD DVDs, and, and Blu-ray DVDs, uh, any of the technology using this AACS Next Generation DRM, Digital Rights Management, for, for high-definition content, they will know that the earlier versions of WinDVD are not safe because they have been reverse-engineered. So that those things, that content simply will not play on the older WinDVD players. Older content might... It's not exactly clear how this is going to work. That is, whether whether the the download of the new version will will automatically remove the 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 keys from the older versions. Whether you could still play an older disc, or whether ever once letting a new disc touch your system would would leave a mark behind that prevented the older discs even from playing. I didn't. See, I realized that. So yeah, because that's the question. Is uh, is does it make your existing stuff not work? Apparently, it, so, that's the case. It certainly, it certainly could make your existing stuff not work wow. on the on the existing player. So the idea is you need to upgrade your player. And I mean, this will be fun, sort of fun to watch from the sidelines because <laughs> the, you know the Doom guys—they're not going to no. take this laying down. They're going to say, "Okay, roll our sleeves up a little bit further, yeah. and we're going to do this again." I mean, if if for no other reason than to prove the point that that what Hollywood is trying to do is, as we've said over and over, is fundamentally impossible. Amazing. Fascinating uh, cat and mouse game going on. And for yeah. those who said, oh, don't worry, nobody will ever revoke keys. Well, now we know they will. Well, yes. In fact, again, though, I would say that this is the case for software players. It'll be very interesting. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. consider. I mean, th- you know, that's the nightmare scenario that that hardware that people have purchased, yeah. which is not as easily upgradable as clicking on a link and getting a new version of it, that hardware people have purchased would then stop functioning because so- some instance of that hardware somewhere had been reverse engineered and hacked in a way that allowed people to use that hardware in order to to decrypt high-definition content. It's so, my suspicion that the movie industry isn't so worried about hardware since it's software that really gives you uh, this this piracy capability, and as we see with this uh, yes. decryption. Yes. It's a little harder to make it, uh, you know, how, so what if you crack a machine, right? Right. Ah, well, fascinating so, stuff. Also, um, I received some questions about why I never posted episode 85A on the Security Now site. Um, I, I didn't, I sort of thought it was, you know, that, that was our early last week announcement of the ANI cursor vulnerability disclosure. And I sort of thought of it as a little quickie 
like, oh, just a little notice for people, and besides, we'll be doing a regular podcast in three days anyway. But people were saying, hey, where is that? I, I need that. I want <laughs> they that. They want the complete set. <laughs> yes. So, so by the all 87. <laughs> <laughs> so by the time anyone is hearing this, I will have added 85A to the Security Now page. So anybody who wrote to me saying, where is that? I want it. I need it. Uh, it's there now. And, and the last thing was, last week I referenced a um, some errors that people were reporting, which have now been acknowledged by Microsoft and resolved. Um, that was errors that occurred to me on one of my XP machines, where I installed, I installed the ANI cursor vulnerability fix. When I rebooted the system, I got that it came up, complaining. It, it, the, the message said, the system DLL, user32.dll, was relocated in memory, the application will not run properly. Hmm. Well, it turns out it's because this machine, actually this happened to be a cute little HP pavilion, little mini uh, pavilion that I have, um, it uses the Realtek HD analog control, or sorry, audio control panel, and that was one of the things that conflicted. There was also a, a German tax calculator, <laughs> uh, something called a tug zip, and a CD tag program. Really? Those, wow. yeah, those all gave this patch a problem. So anyway, we're now talking after. Uh, here, here we are on the twelfth, which is after the second Tuesday. Microsoft's normal patch cycle, which was which was this most recent Tuesday on April tenth, and during that they updated this fix again to cure the problems that people were ah, having. Good. There there was an interim hotfix that I was preparing to tell people about today, except, which did fix this problem for this week between the ANI release and, and the normal Patch Tuesday, second Tuesday of the month release. But it turns out Microsoft incorporated that already into the... And there's like another three or four patches depending on what version of windows you have so once again you want to make sure you're patched but anyone who was having this problem will have it cured here by our normal second tuesday very it's, interesting okay and two last little quick points um several people who have been liking and following along our discussion of ebooks and the sony reader and so forth uh made mention of two really interesting sites that have Literally tens of thousands of free ebooks, and I'm, I know you'll be interested in this, Leo. There, there, it, one is ManyBooks.net. Let me write this and down. The, okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and, 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 work and, with and, the e-reader is the question. Uh, yes, and in fact, the ManyBooks.net. You select which format of like I don't know, like twenty formats cool. that you want the books in, and one of them is RTF. And in fact, the guy that wrote to me about ManyBooks.net has a Sony reader. He asks. He downloads these things in RTF format. Then, 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 because they're in RTF, he then will like use Word or or WordPad to maybe enlarge the font or bolden it or whatever he wants to do. And then he says it works beautifully with the Sony Reader. Because that was and the fr- problem we had with the McCollum's books was that even though they're a PDF, they didn't really seem to work very well. Well, yes, and and I'm playing around with doing a a, a book converter that'll that just you know for the, a little quick project here to to just because I want to play with this stuff before I uh, set it aside, uh, which will create texts in native format that allows you, for example, to resize the text so that it's comfortable for you, um, and of course RTF format allows you to do that. 
So anyway, and I did look at manybooks.net, and there's a bunch of stuff they have. They, wow. they say at the moment 16,380 completely free ebooks. Mostly many, uh, public domain, I would imagine, right? Well, many classics, but some surprising books that, uh, that look like there was one that was like uh, uh, published back in 1920 that was. Uh, it looked like a huge compendium of English idioms, you know, and, and <laughs> you know, common phrases and things. I thought, oh, that would just kind of be fun to have on there to browse around in. So there's that. And then there's also www.wowio.com. And that's another free ebook site. Awesome. And I'll have links in our, in our show notes to both of these for people who are, you know, driving while they're listening to this. This has become just, the ebook show. <laughs> uh, not intentionally. There were some people who expressed some frustration that we were spending so much time on that. But, you know, it's something that you and I were both interested in. And I've, I'm such an avid ebook reader that I wanted to share this for people who wanted to know about it. So, Thank you. So, yeah, we don't want it to be the ebook show, but uh, I didn't want to let people know what was going on. Yeah, we talk about what we're interested in. That, yeah. That's sometimes more than security. Not usually. All right. Not mostly. Let me, yep. uh, before we get into the uh, matter at hand, which is going to be SQL injection exploits, which are some serious, serious things. I think this the might worst. be the worst. It might be a good yep. time to talk about security and one of our sponsors, which is the Astaro Security Gateway. Uh, if you're in business, you know about it. I hope you know about the Astaro Security Gateway. These are uh, great security appliances. Uh, that make it very simple to secure your business in every way. I mean, best of breed open source and commercial software, uh, doing everything from email security, that includes anti-spam, anti-phishing, uh, virus protection for email, transparent encryption at the device, so the clients don't have to worry about it. You get web filtering, content filtering, antivirus, anti-spyware, instant message and peer-to-peer control, and you get network protection like firewalls, remote access, and VPN and intrusion protection. By the way, now SSL VPN. And it scales as your environment, as your uh, business gets bigger, it scales up to 10 security gateways without the need for additional load balancers. It's really a nice solution. If you want a free trial of the Astaro Security Gateway in your business, call 877 the number 4 ASTARO or visit them online at ASTARO.com. And home users, you can try it free, including subscriptions to the anti spam and anti virus stuff. Absolutely free. So you can put it on any, you know, PC you've got lying around. That's www.astaro.com. Thanks for their support of security now. All right, Steve, what is what are we talking about this week? Well, we're talking about what is arguably the, well, an incredibly big problem for what's happening with the web. In fact, as I describe this to people, as I'm about to, you could almost imagine that the, a system could not have been deliberately designed to be worse than what we have. Isn't that nice? <laughs> and, and again, it's, it's sort of old technology which is meeting new technology and having a real problem with it, oh essentially. So the old technology is this database technology known as SQL or SQL. Mm -hmm. SQL is an acronym, of course. It stands for Structured Query Language. The good news about SQL is it was designed, you know, way pre-internet, pre-web as a very powerful database technology. The thing that makes SQL so powerful is that it is inherently 
a language-based data access system. So, for example, you, you, you generate so-called SQL or, or SQL queries, which are, for example, of, of the form select, subject, uh, event, uh, uh, date, and content from a certain database name like newsletters where the newsletter ID is, is five, for example. So you, it's almost sort of an Englishy sort of like query language where, where you, you, you build up your query by, by putting together verbs and, and specifiers, variables into this thing. And you're able to create tables. You can add items to tables. You can add columns. I mean, Mark, Mark Thompson, for example, our, our friend at Analog X, he's just jumping up and down about how cool SQL is because, you know, as a programmer, he's very comfortable with the idea of a, of a linguistic interface to data. And so, you know, SQL is, is extremely powerful because it just allows people to have, have data contained in these tables with, 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 um, uh, records in columns and rows are like, are like records of the, um, of the individual, um, uh, database records. I meant fields and rows, sorry. And, and the idea is that using this linguistic approach, you're able to, Make you know basically that's your entire interface to the database, and so when you issue these queries, the result is a sort of comes back from the database um, with your answers, which is in, in in the form of another table or additional um, information that, that that you've asked for. So so SQL was there for a long time, and it made sense as we moved from sort of static pages that we talked about before into, you know, the web 2.0 dynamic pages, it made sense that, you know, if you had an online forum, for example, at an, an online bulletin board system, that that as you're creating in, and accepting postings from people, you need to keep them somewhere. You need, they need to go into some sort of a database in order to to be stored on the hard disk in a way that they're accessible and can be efficiently retrieved. And in fact, compared to prior databases, that's really the the whole concept behind um, SQL is over a network, for example, where you don't have high-speed connection between the, the client and the server, the old-style databases would have required that you basically rifle through the data by sending it back and forth between you and the database if given a, if they were for example over a network on separate machines the 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 cool concept that made sql so powerful is it instead of having sort of a dumb database where where you basically have to go through the entire database moving it across the network checking each record to see if it's what you want instead you send the query across the network and now the database is smart and it interprets the query applies it to the database that you've asked it to or in some cases even more than one database at the same time and then gives you back the results so so sql was really designed to be a sort of a trans network solution for dealing with with data in a in a very efficient fashion there's a lot so, of different flavors of sql microsoft makes a sql server 
many of us, for instance, on Twit, we use the uh, open source MySQL database, which is becoming extremely popular and uses the same, basically the same SQL syntax. SQL is a language, and there's many different implementations of it. Right. Yeah. So, so last week we talked about cross-site scripting problems, where because the user's browser was was accepting scripting that appeared to be from a trusted server there were ways to inject that that scripting into the user's browser to cause you know all kinds of nefarious things to happen hackers were had, had jumped onto this as, as a way of of creating havoc and and, lever- and and leveraging this insecurity for their own purposes. It's the same idea, I guess, as uh, any any place where you have a field that you can overrun the field with too much text and and uh, execute arbitrary code. You're doing the same thing with this SQL query. Well, actually, it's very different than that. Um, well, that what you were talking about was a buffer overrun. Right. And and last week with cross site scripting, the 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 exploitation is essentially occurring on the user's end, on the user's browser. Uh-huh. What's, what's different about SQL injection uh-huh. is, is it's a means that allows hackers to inject queries into the remote server that the designers certainly never intended. And it, it essentially, it leverages this expressive power, this linguistic power of SQL in, in ways that, just like with so many of these exploits, it's very simple to get the system working. It's just so hard to, to have it work in a way that can't be compromised. That is, just because of the nature of, of the power of, of SQL and the, the connection between the, the client's machine and the server creates these vulnerabilities. For example... Say that you go to a site and it presents you with your username and password that you you're supposed to fill in in order to get access to the site. It's a you know it's a maybe it's a high value site that you subscribe that, that regular normal authorized users might pay a lot of money to act to have access to all the time. And so what happens is the web browser gives you a form where it says. Please input your username and your password, and you click OK. You know, we've all seen that kind of, of front page on a site that we have to authenticate ourselves to. Well, behind the scenes, there, there will be th- this username and password will be accepted from the user over on the server. And then it will, the, the, the code running on the server needs to look up this username and password to see if it's valid. So, for example, you might have a um, you might have a table or a database called logins, which is the 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 username and password of everyone who can log in validly. So, so it'll say, for example, in SQL, and this is sort of a simple construct, like I mentioned before. You might say select ID from logins, meaning the logins table, where you, where the username equals, and then the the username provided by the user, and password equals the password provided by the user, meaning that the username and password w- w- would be columns or fields in 
this logins database. And so the idea is that the data provided by the user is plugged in to this SQL query, which is then given to the database to, to see whether this username and password are valid. Well, okay, get a load of this. Um, so the, 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 the phrase that we're looking at is, is where username equals the username provided and password equals the password provided. So obviously both of those have to match. Okay. It turns out that if instead of just putting in a password in the password field, you put in, I mean, like anything, noodles, and then, and then you said, or in the same field, you said noodles or one equals one. Oh, 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 yeah. Then you submit that. Yeah. Okay. So now what happens is instead of the password that the user provided, you've put in a, a bogus password, noodles, and then you've, you've essentially, you've extended the query by saying or one equals one. Which is true. Always. Which is always true. Exactly. So you said, so only allow a login where username equals the username provided and password equals noodles, which, you know, it probably won't, right. or one equals one. That is to say by, you, you essentially, the user of this login page is able to write their own SQL oh, into, into the query wow. in order to make it work. Wow, very interesting. And it turns out, in a surprising number of sites, this works. Wow. Now, there, there's, there, there, I have, I have links. Try it on my site. Real quick. <laughs> I, I have links to, to some, some white papers that, that go into more detail if people are curious, because there are little things you have to do. There's, for example, the user is not putting quotes around their username and password. So those will be provided when their username and password are patched in to the SQL query. But it turns out that doesn't stop you. You you can still do what you want to do, but you have to be cognizant of the way quotes are probably going to be futzed in there. So, so that, that that's just a simple example of 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 a way that without the developers ever intending you to provide your own SQL, literally over the internet using a web form, you're able to do something they didn't like. Well, that, turns out, amazing. Just, isn't that yeah. cool? Yeah. So, well, it tur- well cool, cool. <laughs> cool in a bad way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it turns out that there are that SQL is so powerful. You can use parentheses to get nesting. You're able to you're able to query other aspects of the server that are not even relevant to the application. For example, the way SQL works is there are system level tables, sort of so-called metadata, um, where the system stores its own information. For example, there's um, there's um, uh, like a, a table called sys objects, sys columns, sys indexes. For example, those are tables containing information about the actual database tables. Using SQL, you're able to query those meta data tables to get the names of the databases, the columns in the database oh, and, and other information. And in oh, fact, wow. there are if you have a if you have a website which is not very carefully 
cleansing and, and, and scrutinizing everything provided by the user, it's possible, for example, on a, on a website that's going to give you like a, a list of all the threads in a forum, for example, you could, in, you could take the capability of dumping out from the SQL database the, all of the threads in the forum in the same fashion of essentially injecting your own SQL code through a form, you could, by, by a, a, a series of experiments on the, the, the server, even starting out knowing nothing about what the database tables are, are called, what, what the form columns are called, you're able to so sort of um, over time extract that information in order to get what you need and ultimately put into a form a complex query which instead where where the system thinks it's dumping out a, a a a scrolling list of threads it instead dumps out every username and password in the username password dictionary wow, wow that's basically amazing. i mean just giving you all that data now imagine if a banking site had this vulnerability, I mean, this, this this kind of vulnerability, it's one thing, it's like, okay, someone could play havoc in some online forum, but this is, I mean, this is, this is how serious this kind of exploit is, is if your, if your own online banking technology um, that offered online banking had this kind of a vulnerability mm. and somebody could sit there poking at the form extracting information about the 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 metadata the the table names and column names and end up tricking their server into dumping the username and the login username and password of all the bank's online customers wow. allowing them then to log in as you and do anything that they would nor that you would normally be able to do on your banking site like sending checks to them so um, how do you prevent this? <laughs> do you look at the input and, I mean, and, and say, oh, you can't pass SQL commands along or? Well, yes. And I mean, it, it's the, essentially, that's what you need to do. Now, remember how last week I read the 28 new cross-site scripting vulnerabilities that had, had been identified just in March? The same problem relative to SQL injection has 38 new SQL wow. injection exploits just in March. And I won't You'd drag everyone... you think they'd everyone... understand this. It's so well known that they'd understand this, and it'd be just kind of standard operating procedure to prevent it. I know. And and, and the problem is the, the... It's sort of like, okay, whose fault is it? Well, we know that it's the webmaster's fault. It's the the person who coded this and and didn't pay attention to this. But again, I mean... It is just, it's phenomenal. I'll just read a couple of these to give people a sense for this. vBulletin inline mod PHP SQL injection. vBulletin is an application for website forums. The application is exposed to a SQL injection issue because it fails to sufficiently sanitize user-supplied data to the post IDs parameter of the inline mod PHP script file before using it in an SQL query. I mean, it's exactly what we're talking about. And here's uh, Serendipity is a weblog application. The application is exposed to this issue due to a failure in the, in the application to properly sanitize user-wide input. Angel 
Uh, learning Management Suite is a learning management application implemented in ASP, um, Active Server Pages. The application is prone to an SQL injection because it fails to sufficiently sanitize. Coppermine Photo Gallery, Zephyr Toolbox Address Book, Gazi Yap Boss Game Portal. <laughs> Gazi S- Yap Boss <laughs> is vulnerable? No. No, say it's not so. Uh, uh, SQL Ledger, Ledger SMB Remote Code Execution, Monitor Line Links Management, LI Guestbook Application, uh, uh, Rigter Portal System, Multiple AJ Software Products, PHP Stats, Creative Files, uh, Absolute Image Gallery, okay, Walt we get, Lab, Burning Book, we get, we blah, get blah, the blah. Message. There's a I lot mean, of them. That's surprising, I mean, well, really. And that's one month, Leo. That's really well, and, and they're, they're like this every month. Now, what's really a concern is you might say, okay, well, so some guest book application is vulnerable. It's like, okay, yes, the guest book application is vulnerable, but more than likely, this is a guest book for a site that has a lot of other stuff going on. Right. They, and what this does is this vulnerability in the guest book app, and I think I just read about nine different guest book apps that, yeah. that are vulnerable, and it's because this is sort of a low security thing. Well, really and it's written by amateurs. I mean, these are, you know, most of what you just described, they're, you know, kind of free open source and, you know, kind of group projects, not even uh, high end open source, you know. Exactly. The yeah. problem is the guest book application makes use of the SQL server that runs the entire website. Right, right. Most websites, mine included, only have one SQL program running, MySQL running. Yep. Um, and, uh, and of course, and there's different is, databases with different users and logins, but if you had the same user and login as no, many no, of no. us do. No, it's worse then, than that, Leo. Then, it's oh. worse than that. A, a single insecure application like your guestbook application yeah. can use... Can use access to the met the table metadata to get the names of every database on your SQL server. That's kind of and bad. then and then explore it. Yes, so it it ends up being it, it it and this is really why SQL injection is such a problem. Is that it exactly as as you said in your case, you've got you know MySQL running one instance of the server right. that runs your whole site. So the guestbook application that also is is using a, a single little guestbook table in in SQL Server that provides an entry point to allow a hacker to go and explore all the tables, all the databases that that your site is using, and get you know ver- for example much more valuable username and and um uh, and password data or anything that you're keeping in that SQL database, and in fact. Due to some some notorious problems with SQL, it's even possible to leverage SQL vulnerabilities to allow a hacker to get access to the underlying operating system. Wow. So, I mean, it is a very, very powerful backdoor into, well, into web servers all over the place. And, you know, and the problem is that exactly as you said, Leo, you know, guestbook apps are written by people who... This is like their first web application. It's freeware. It's downloadable. And exactly as we talked about last week, oftentimes it's not the kind of thing that you update. Right. I mean, on all these things I was talking about, it's like, for example, uh, Wolf, uh, Wolf Lab Burning Board is a free web-based bulletin board package based on PHP and MySQL. The application is exposed to an SQL injection issue because it fails to properly sanitize user-supplied input 
to the action parameter of the usergroup.php script. Walt Lab Burning Board version 2.7 and earlier versions are affected. Okay, so clearly they fixed this after version 2.7. Right. But how many people who are using this thing right. know that there's a problem? Now all the hackers who you know in the world who didn't know before know exactly what the problem is with Walt Lab Burning Board versions you know earlier than and including 2.7 mm. so now they go around to interesting websites to and, and maybe they even know because this is this is what they do which types of bulletin boards different sites use now any site that didn't update its bulletin board system which tends to be something sort of thrown in to give your users some place to chat among themselves Suddenly now, that site's entire SQL database repository is vulnerable because there's a backdoor in through SQL. So that gives them access to anything that's running on that database server. Exactly. Any databases that are being ma managed by that instance of SQL on the web server. You know, what's really scary is that many, many people are in a shared hosting situation where there's one instance of MySQL running for many, many, many accounts. So it's not yep. just your database. You may be exposing uh, everybody else on the server, uh, which means hundreds or thousands of different websites. Wow, that's interesting. It is. And in fact, you know, oftentimes especially with web 2.0 situations, the SQL server has the, basically the page content. That is, all of your site is being served out of an SQL database. Right, right. And so this is the way all of this website defacing that we hear about right. comes about. Oh, it's, that's why, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. People are able to go in, and you're able to delete tables. So, so through SQL, it's called drop table. And b baby does it right. It just it just it's drops fast the and table. It's easy. Yes, I know. I've used it many times, and I'm always scared when I press that button. <laughs> yes, and wow. but but imagine that somebody determines the table name, wishes you no good, right. and then they they insert drop a it. drop table command through a web form. So to answer your question, coming back to how do you prevent this? The way to prevent it, obviously, is to absolutely scrutinize anything the user provides yeah and and of course this is a problem too because you'd like a password to be freeform let them put in any kind of junk that they want to into the password field as long as they are able to type it in again right. so so but of course here's the danger in doing that is if they put in an sql command extension it's like well that's a valid password I mean, no one's going to guess it. It's like an unguessable password. So you've got to really, you've got to be very clever about how to allow things that are supposed to be anything the user wants to write. How does the system know that that's also an, a valid SQL sequence? Right, right. So you see the problem. I mean, it's not that simple a problem to nip in the bud. And the same is, it's the, the same is true, for example, in a, in, in a forum where you're, inherently wanting to let people put anything in that they want to it's it's off it's also sort of a bigger problem than than scripting injection because you could argue that as long as you don't allow that open the open angle bracket script close angle bracket to to be present then you're going to be okay well of course there are people have cleverly found ways around that by using various 
other means of evaluating expressions to that string. But but with SQL, it's much more like English language, and there isn't something as obvious as the script keyword to hang on to. So, I mean, it it really is a problem. Fascinating. It, re- it requires extreme sanitization of anything coming from the user. And, and believe me, here was 38 examples from March. There's a similar number in February and a similar number in January, and it goes back through time because, again, we, we've got – People who are not security experts, who are using very powerful tools like SQL behind them and and web servers uh, to, to put together an application, the moment they get it working so that it doesn't crash when users submit data, they think they're done. It's like, yay, I got this working, you know. <laughs> I'm done. Goodbye. <laughs> I'm done. I'm gonna pay me. Hamburger. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, yeah, exactly. Pay me and I'm on to my next yeah. disaster. Yeah. Wow. So it is a it is a very serious, pervasive problem. And it's gonna take time for for awareness of this to to filter out into the web developer community because that's really the only way you're gonna handle this. I mean, these are these are valid queries to issue to the SQL server. So there's, it's not possible, for example, for, for, for SQL Server or MySQL to, to say, wait a minute, this looks like a, a suspicious request. There isn't anything suspicious about these requests. They're valid requests. The problem is that people you don't trust were allowed to make them right. of your server by, by leveraging this whole concept of of anonymous user accepted input, and this creates a serious problem, uh, one we've never talked about before. But I'm glad we have now. It's fascinating. I've heard you know I've heard about SQL injection, and and by the way, uh, you know I I'm always looking for updates on uh, the various uh, programs we use on the site, uh, like the Drupal program, and and there have been SQL uh, injection exploits in some of these programs. I don't know about Drupal particularly, but I always look for updates, and I always make sure I apply the updates and. If you're a webmaster, that's just one more thing you have to do. You have to keep your eye peeled, even if it's just a stupid guest book. In fact, n- next week we're going to read a, a Q&A um, note from somebody who, who, whose ears perked up when I read through that list and he realized he was using one of the vulnerable things oh. and, and it had been exploited to attack his server. Oh, hello. Wow. So this is, I mean, this is real stuff. This is not science fiction that we're yeah, talking about fascinating. here. Fascinating. Steve, uh, thank you. Another great and fascinating subject, explaining something many people have heard many times, and now you know exactly How it what it all means. Yep. Yeah, This show is always brought to you by the good folks at Nerds On Site. If you're a nerd and you want to hang out with other nerds, build your business instead of spending time uh, figuring out how to do these things, Nerds On Site is for you. They're growing. They need more nerds to service their customers. They're looking for nerds with all kinds of skills, PC and Mac people. Specialties like Cisco, Oracle, Fixit technicians, website designers, programmers, project managers, even sales, trainers, security experts, antivirus gurus. They especially love those nerds who troubleshoot, tear apart, rebuild uh, their own systems in their spare time. You're an independent contractor. You can stay an independent contractor, but you're in business for yourself, not by yourself. To find out more nerds on sites all over the world, you just go to a... I want to be a nerd.com. I want to be a nerd.com. 
Register for a nerds-only meeting in your area today. Good people really give you the help you need to get your job done and make your business a success. I want to be a nerd.com. We thank them for helping make uh, Security Now a success. Security Now, of course, is brought to you also by Spinrite. That's Steve's day job. So I say it's brought to you by Spinrite because if Steve didn't have a, have something to do, he, he wouldn't have time for this. That's for sure. <laughs> that's true. You can find out more at spinrite.info, S-P-I-N-R-I-T-E.info, or on Steve's site, grc.com. And uh, we also uh, want to mention that grc.com has the 16 kilobit versions of the show, including... What was it, 84A, 85A? I can't even remember. 85A will be there by the time our voices are being heard, Leo. <laughs> you know, I did make, it's funny because I made a 16 kilobit version of it, but I, I completely understand why you didn't post it because, uh, you know, it's 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 it wasn't something you would want to save. It was very specific to a point in time. It was a news bulletin, really, but people want completeness. Lesson learned. I, I will have everything posted uh <laughs> Uh, as a, of this podcast, you, you got to remember nerds like, you know, complete sets, complete set. You know that yep. <laughs> if you're collecting comic books or security now, you got to have all 87, uh, 16 kilobit versions, transcripts. Thanks to Elaine notes to at GRC.com. That's also where you'll find besides spin, right? Uh, Steve's free security program. Securable is up there to test the security of your system. And of course, shields up the world's most popular firewall and router test system absolutely free grc.com next week questions and answers yep episode 88 we're divisible by four once again it's good i like that always enjoy those well i'll see you then steve right earlier security now